You are freer than you think. It's like the ultimate form of freedom. You expound upon that freedom to develop on this planet. True freedom comes from within. It's the ability. Thinking to myself, I can help you or I can destroy you. Man is a two-time felon. I work really hard and I've been, a, I've been a life learner. When things are feeling tough, let yourself be surprised. The world favors risk-taking. Welcome. 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 To the Freedom Pact. Today on the show, we are joined by Vishen Lakiani, entrepreneur, founder, and the CEO of Mind Valley, which Vishen built from nothing to now having more than 12 million students. Vishen is an activist as well as best selling author of the hit book, The Code of the Extraordinary Mind. Vision says that his mission is to raise human consciousness. He takes aim with brules or bullshit rules and coined one of my all-time favourite phrases, the culturescape, which defines a set of limiting beliefs that stop people from exploring unconventional paths. In this conversation with Vision, we discuss his latest book, the Buddha and the Badass, how to bend reality. We ask, is hard work a myth? How to upgrade our identity? And we also discuss Vision's activism work against major companies like Coca-Cola and Nestle. Without any further ado, I hope you enjoy this conversation with one of this generation's most influential contributors to education, it is Vishen Lakiani. Vishen, what a pleasure, man. Welcome to the show. Thank you, Joe. It's a pleasure to be here. So let's dive straight into this. The book is called Buddha and the Badass, growing up through Kuala Lumpur, to then writing the book, The Code of the Extraordinary Mind, to now. Where did this journey for you begin into personal growth and transforming humanity, essentially? Well, like many of the people who might bet are listening right now, I had an inkling 15 years ago to quit a job that I was dissatisfied with and start my own business. And um, I could have started my business in many different things. I dabbled with the idea of starting a toy company. Because as a kid, I was just, well, I guess I said as a kid, I was into toys. Well, which kid isn't, right? So I was working on this toy company. I had this phenomenal idea for this set of children's toys based on farm animals that had been hit by an asteroid and had been granted superpowers. Anyway, it was a stupid idea and it failed. So I moved to idea number two, which was so dumb, I'm not even going to share it. That failed. Finally, I moved to idea number three. Now, back then, I was really into meditation. And idea number three was I was so grateful for the impact meditation had had in my life. So I thought, well, why don't I start a company building a little website to sell meditation CDs? And in the same, at the same time, I got certified in that particular style of meditation, and I was teaching classes around the world. Now, that particular style of meditation was something called the Silva Method. And many of you users probably heard about it because in the 70s and 80s, it was one of the most popular personal growth programs out there. It had changed my life. And I decided that to go really deep 
Those are my kids. Hi, Eve. Eve, come say hi. I just wanted to return the eye. I wanted to take my necklace. Okay, Eve, come say say hi to Joe. So we're doing tasks. Everyone else, I'm working. And today, as I was doing work, Eve designed a custom necklace for me. Earring. Oh, it's a custom earring. Eve, wait, you gotta. Eve, don't you want your earring back? Yeah. That's Hayden. Hayden, come say hi to Joe. We're on a podcast. So this is Eve and Hayden. Today is the last. Yeah. Okay, you guys are gonna go to bed now. Yeah. Yeah. So Eve graduated kindergarten, so she's now ready to conquer the world. (laughs) No, I'm not. I'm just gonna be in grade one. Okay. (laughs) So, um, so I started a little business. Guys, um, I'm going to be recording a podcast. Could you close the door? Okay. Okay, good night, guys. So um, I started a little website teaching the silver method. I was, I, was, I was teaching it around the world. Now, the silver method is, is, is unique. I don't want people to think it's a form of meditation. It teaches you how to enter altered states, the alpha level for relaxation, for visualizing, the theta level for intuition, and even the delta level for seeking guidance from spirit, soul, higher intelligence, whatever word you want to use. And I wanted to teach it because I wanted to master it. I'd started playing with it in my work and it caused me to accelerate in my career. And when I was thinking of a business idea to start, I remembered the words of Nelson Mandela who said, if you want to change the world, change education. So I thought, what would I change about education? And the idea was, I want to teach people how to use their mind better. So I got certified in the Silver Method. I started teaching classes in New York. I started selling Silver Method CDs. I built a little website, sort of an affiliate marketing thing. And that's how my journey started. My first month, I lost 800 bucks. My second month, I lost 300 bucks. My third month, can you guess how much I made? $1,500. Four bucks. Oh, four bucks. Four bucks. <laughs> But I celebrated that. I was so freaking excited. And soon I was making $4 a day, $4 a day. And um, now I, I did this while I still had my day job, right? Um, so I could still survive. But one of the things is I would, that those $4 a day, I would celebrate that. I would take that to Starbucks and buy myself the best damn cup of coffee I could. And soon I got to $4.50 a day. Now I could upgrade to a venti. And then when I got to $5.50, get this, Joe, I could get hazelnut flavoring (laughs) if I so wanted. So my point is I started building this up slowly and slowly and slowly and slowly and slowly. First two years, it was was me, uh, my then wife, Christina. She's the mother of my two children who just came in the room. And um, we built up this company and we had no idea what we were doing. But there was one thing that always drove me forward. I would visualize my future. And I would always try to see what will my next year look like and my next year look like and my next year look like. And as I did that, I would also practice what I was teaching. I would meditate. I would visualize my goals. I would listen to my intuition. Now, year after year after year after year, I got better and better and better at it. And then I decided to start seeking other teachers. So how did I get great teachers? I went to men and women like Bob Proctor. You ever heard of Bob Proctor? Of course, yeah. Right? I went to Bob Proctor and... Reply to my emails, Bob. <laughs> I convinced Bob Proctor to give me a job to help him build his website. Because I knew a thing or two about websites. It was now 2007. And I remember one day. Now, are you in London? No, I'm in Wales in the UK. 
It was well, so awesome. Yeah. Explains that the cool accent. So <laughs> one day I was traveling to London to teach a class. Okay, I'd been invited to come and teach a class, and I showed up and to 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 London. And Bob Proctor was there, and and we had been emailing, and he said, "Hey, come over and have lunch with me." Um, I have a lunch break, so Bob was teaching a huge seminar there, thousands of people. I was teaching a tiny class, maybe forty people. And during lunch, I had lunch with Bob, and I still have pictures from that day. It was sometime maybe summer of two thousand eight. And Bob said, "Vision, what brings you to London?" And I said, "Well, I'm here, Bob, to teach a meditation class." And he goes, "That's fantastic. How many people are in the class?" And I go, "Bob, well, you know, I think this is a pretty big class, so forty people." And he goes, "Forty, hmm." And he goes, "How much do these people pay for a ticket?" And I told him it was maybe about. 300, 400 pounds, and he said, "How much do you make for this class?" And I said, "Well, after my flight from Malaysia,、um, after booking a hotel room, I'll make after the commission I have to pay to the parent organization, I'll make maybe two, three thousand US." And Bob said, "What?" And I go, "But Bob, I live in Malaysia. That's a lot of money. That's a month's salary." And Bob said, "Vision, vision, vision. How long have you been doing this?" And I said, "Five years." And he goes, "And don't you have a son?" Hayden, who's one years old, so back then Hayden, my boy, he he was one, and I go yeah, and he said, and you, how how many days has it been since you've had to travel, come here, teach this class? How many days would it have been since you've seen your son? And I said, well, you know, I probably won't see Hayden for seven days. And he looked at me, and he wrinkled his face, and I knew what was going to come next. He's like, I hope you flew business class. And I said, Bob, no. If I flew business class, I wouldn't have any profit at all. And he said, "Vision, let me give you some advice. You play too small, kid. What are you doing? After five years, that's the best you can do. You fly all the way here. You leave your family for six days. You fly coach, coach, and you make three grand. Son, you got to play bigger." And I thought about what he said. And that Monday, I quit teaching meditation. I realized I was lying to myself. There wasn't a room telling everyone to think big to visualize their goals, but I was playing so damn small. So I quit. That was the last seminar I did. What I decided to do next was play bigger. So I started a festival. Two years later, the next time I had a seminar, it was in a paradise island. It was a festival called A Fest. Two hundred and fifty entrepreneurs flew in to join me. On stage, I had Lisa Nichols. I had Chip Conley of Airbnb. I had the MBA professor Sri Kumar Rao. I had Kim Lyons of The Biggest Loser TV show. I had reinvented myself in two years, going from teaching a tiny class at a Danubius Hotel in London to a massive festival that still runs today because this man kicked my butt. But I can tell you, when he kicked my butt, I was fucking pissed. I walk out of that room going, "Bob Proctor, you fucking asshole! How dare you tell me how to lead my life? I like my seminars." And I was telling myself all those lies, you know, to make myself feel at peace at who I am. And so it was. I started the festival. Then I took the remnants of the business I had. I turned that into Mind Valley. And this year we will hit a hundred million in revenue. And I don't say that to brag or anything. I say that because. It started out with four dollars in profit in my first month, and it was about reinvesting and ensuring you're focused on your learning and having occasional allies and mentors kick your butt and kick your butt and kick your butt. And I hit that level 
this this year we'll do 100 mil. The company is now, I'm now going to take this company public. And I hit 100 mil with no VC investors. Because what I learned as I went on this journey is that it doesn't matter what other people think. There was a time when I was looking for investors. No one wanted to invest in meditation. No one wanted to invest in, in a tiny little Malaysian company. Well, I don't give a fuck. I decided if nobody believes in me, that's okay. I believe in myself and I'm going to keep pushing and pushing and pushing. And through taking all the wisdom of everything I could find in personal growth and pumping it back into my business, I got to where I was. And I told myself, when I get to a level where, where the business is doing $100 million in revenue, I will write a book to share what I learned with other entrepreneurs. The Buddha and the Badass is that book. The Buddha and the Badass is a book about how to build a massive business, how to take what you're passionate about and bring it to the world. Today, I no longer teach a class where 40 people a month show up. Today, Mind Valley is about to hit 12 million registered students. And it's about taking, understanding why you were put on this planet and identifying that reason and then bringing in all the abilities that we are all born with. I call it our spiritual core, the inner Buddha, merging that with your badass. Your badass is the change maker, the disruptor, the person who wants to leave a dent in the universe. Boom, bringing those both together and then going out there and making a freaking dent in the universe. That's what this book is about. And in it is the wisdom of so many great mentors that I'm so grateful they stepped into my life and showed me the way. And I wanted to write this book as a way for other entrepreneurs to to accelerate themselves on that journey without breaking themselves, without playing small, without having to leave their one-year-old child for seven days for shit money. So that's why I wrote this book. One of the major concepts of the book is bending reality. I want to know, how do we bend reality? And what is this principle? So remember I told you I was playing a lot with altered states. I've come to believe that our mind influences our reality in far deeper ways than what we believe. I mean, you've heard of the law of attraction. You've heard of manifesting. It goes deeper. Vision boards, creative visualization, that's kindergarten stuff you can go a lot deeper. So the way I describe it, there are four levels of consciousness. Okay, level level one is where your consciousness places you at the victim stage. You are the victim of circumstance. The world happens to you. Any failure, any anything bad, ugh, like the world sucks, your girlfriend sucks, your, your parents suck, it's you're a victim of circumstance. Now, the fact is most people live in the world like that. But at a certain point, you start waking up. This is when you start thinking about goal setting. This is when you start investing in your personal growth. This is when you start understanding that you have control over your life. When someone understands that they can set goals and take action towards that goals, they're moving to level two. Level two is when many people I know got to level two when they watched that hit DVD movie, The Secret, and they started to understand how thoughts can influence reality. But there's a level three, and level three is very, very, very different. Level three is when you are not choosing to use your thoughts to desire what you want. Intention no longer matters. Rather, you are tapped into your soul and you're getting guidance on who you are to be, what game you are to play, where you are to be, what you are to do. And you're operating from this, from this firm sense of 
intuition and connection. Intention is level two. Inspiration leading to intention is level three. This book is about getting you to level three. So the first chapter of the book, Find Your Soul Print, is about I, I understanding why the universe chose to put you in this body. And all of us have a unique gift. Most of us bury it. So your soul print is that unique gift. It's, it's the unique light you are meant to shine in the world. When I discovered mine, my life suddenly took off like crazy. And I want to help other people discover the awesome. I teach an exercise in this book. I learned this exercise from a Sudanese refugee. And I wanted to spread it to other people. And then you learn to become unfuckwithable. To be unfuckwithable simply means this. It means that you're so secure in what you believe that other people's criticism does not slow you down. Nor do you do anything for other people's praise. Criticism, praise have no impact on you. You do what you need to do out of a firm sense of belief, out of self-love for who you are, and because you're pulled forward by a vision. You see, Michael Beckwith, who's one of the teachers in this book and a dear friend and mentor, says motivation is for wimps. If you need motivation, it's because you're chasing something that doesn't pull you. You do not want to have to be pushed towards a vision. You want a vision that pulls you. That's what happens when you get to level three. You've discovered this vision that pulls you forward. And when you are, when you discover that, other people's criticism don't matter. Other people's praise, you don't do it for praise, nor do you do it for money. You're just pulled forward to this vision. Now, as you start activating all of this, you come to other concepts, activating your inner visionary, building a unified brain, upgrading your identity. Let's talk about that for a second. Upgrading your identity means that you start to understand that the law of attraction is incomplete. The universe doesn't give you what you want. The universe gives you who you are. So when you learn how to reprogram your mind, give yourself new identities, the world will respond to that new identity. So there's a trick to it. and We can go deeper in that conversation. And finally, you come to bending reality. And when you come to bending reality, the world operates in a different way. Your wants, your needs, your desires no longer matter. Whatever you need to experience in life for you to fulfill your destiny happens. And it happens like magic. And you live in a world where there's continuous synchronicity, ease, flow, and magic. And you feel like there's a benevolent universe pushing you forward. You're safe, you're protected, and you have a job to do. And that's really what bending reality is about. I love that. And let's go a bit deeper on that upgrading identity. So could you talk us through these questions which you were which you ask yourself every month, these twenty seven powerful questions? So first let's give credit where credit is due. I wanna I wanna recognize the teachers and, and the streams of philosophy that come into this. The first is the law of resonance, again by Michael Beckwith. Michael Beckwith said he wasn't he was one of the teachers featured in the secret, and we are having dinner, breakfast in Portugal around May last year, and we were just talking, and he said, you know, Vision, the universe doesn't give you what you want. The universe gives you who you are. I call this the law of resonance. The universe will reflect to you who you are, first clue. If you believe that you are a person who works hard for your success, you will be a person who works hard for your success. If you believe you're a person blessed by magic and anything you touch is gonna to become successful, you will be that person blessed by magic. But you gotta believe it so much 
that it is your identity. It becomes your reality. That is the next trick. So you can believe that you that you can believe that you are a brilliant entrepreneur. You can believe that you're a brilliant writer. You can believe that you're a brilliant ad optimizer. Um, but you got to take on that belief to such a degree that you act, you show up, you think, you operate, you treat other people as if that was true. Now to implant those beliefs into your head, because all of us have self-doubts, and that's the tricky part, you use a technique called lofty questions. This comes from a spiritual teacher called Christy Marie Sheldon. She taught me this question, this, this format, many years ago, and it, and it changed my life. Lofty questions work like this. So let me ask you a question. What is it? What, what are one of your goals? To be the number one UK educational podcast. Awesome. Who would you have to be to be the number one, to be the founder and the host of the number one UK educational podcast? Who do I, you have to be? I would have to be the person that believes that they deserve firstly to have that because no, no, no. Yeah, you're jumping no? the gun you're, you're jumping okay. the gun you're trying to figure this out okay. who do you have to be if you were so so let's imagine there is someone who has the number one education podcast in the uk okay. now for those of you listening i want you to do the same thing think about first so i'm going to give you 30 seconds okay let's make this interactive think okay. about your goal Okay, maybe your goal is to have the number one podcast in your country. Maybe your goal is to write a book and be in the New York Times. Maybe your goal is to be a political activist. Maybe your goal is to start a bakery. Think about what that goal is. Now ask yourself, if magically the goal came true, you were the person with the bakery, you were the person with the hit podcast, you were the writer, okay, what would be certain qualities about this person he would be i just imagine someone just relentless you know relentless relentless okay. yeah relentless. okay so uh, relentless describe relentless in, in what way relentless you know the the person that keeps promises to himself that shows up when he says he's going to exactly that, yeah. relentless. okay so now we get that now what is another quality he would be a great host of course a great host a charismatic amazing host yeah. He would have a white network because you need a white network to get people on your podcast. Mm -hmm. A white okay. network, yeah. He would have to be a brilliant interviewer. To be a brilliant interviewer, you've got to be extremely well-read, right? So these are all character traits. Now, here's the thing, right? Often when people set goals, they set goals for situations, objects, or titles. But they forget that you need to set goals for who you are to grow into. And this is where so many people get hung up on their goals. You want to be the guy who gets a company to 10 million? Okay, who do you have to grow into be to be that person? You gotta be great, a great leader. You gotta be a great storyteller. You gotta be a great product designer. You gotta be a great CEO, right? So the second part of setting a goal is to ask yourself, who do I have to be for this goal to manifest? Now when you do that, two things happen. Number one, you're activating the law of resonance. You're deciding that you're gonna shift your identity. And remember, the universe will respond to that new identity. But you're also now giving yourself a map to the goal because now you know what to study. What were the five things you had to be? Relentless, a great host, a great interviewer, have a large network, 
read, be well read, great. Can you think of things you can do to make that happen? Uh, be a, you know, in terms of the being a great host, being a great listener, reading up a lot, doing a lot of research. Exactly. Yeah, you can take, you can join networking. You can take networking classes. You can you can uh, take you can um, um, invest in productivity software to make you more relentless. You can buy and invest in more books. You can figure out how to speed read so you can consume these books further. There are courses you can take on how to be an interviewer. You see, you've just you now have that roadmap. But here's the thing. You can accelerate everything and activate magic by already believing that you have those qualities. And you do that through the lofty question exercise. So you turn each of those qualities into an ex into a question that you're going to implant into your subconscious. So the, the, the obsolete way people do it is through affirmations. They'll say, I'm a good listener. I'm a great host. I have a world-class podcast. I am such a, a brilliant interviewer. But when you state it like that, there's always that nagging voice in your head that's going to go, no, you aren't. You botched that last interview. No, you're not well read. When is the last book you read? We all have that voice. And if you're going, I don't have that voice, that's the voice. <laughs> so all of us have that voice. So to overcome that voice and to activate our subconscious, we have to trick our subconscious. And so we implant in our subconscious a question. The question would be this. Why am I so damn relentless? Why am I such a good interviewer? Why am I so well read? Why do I have such a massive network? Why is my podcast growing every single day? So when you put that, here's what's happening. For whatever reason, I cannot explain this, your subconscious starts to believe that this is your true reality. But not only that, your subconscious will find you the way to get there. When I started telling myself, why do I have such a fit, healthy body, uh, a fit, healthy body, and back then I wasn't fit or healthy, my subconscious moved me toward some of the world's most incredible fitness programs and health coaches who took me under their wing and transformed my health. When I started telling myself, why am I so good at managing money? Because there was a time when I wasn't. All of a sudden, I started I started finding myself reading books on financial management, learning from mentors, taking classes. And so when you start asking these lofty questions, it triggers something in you. It's as if there's this heat-seeking missile in your subconscious that will now have to go out to answer the question. And you find that the right tools, the right methods, the right people, the right synchronicities, the right coincidences to make you relentless, to make you a great interviewer, to make you a brilliant host come to you. But then, as this happens, you start believing it more and more and more. And what happens next? Then our identity upgrades. Your identity upgrades and the law of resonance kicks in. Hmm. So the slow way to have the world's biggest podcast is to decide and set a goal that you want to have the, the UK's biggest podcast. The fast way is to break that down into what are the characteristics, the identity traits that you need to encompass. Implant that into your mind and watch the world bend to that new identity. Man, I got goosebumps. <laughs> so that's, that's how you inject the Buddha in the badass and you accelerate growth. I would love to talk about something in the book which really shocked me. I was so surprised when I read this. So for, the, so for those listening, it is currently 10.30pm in Malaysia. Vishen's got Instagram live after this. 
this is what it takes, I suppose, to get to you know to this level. And then I, I'm reading the book, and one of the first things I see is the myth of hard work. Could mm-hmm. we talk about this? Oh, absolutely. So there's this idea in the world today that you have to work hard to be successful. And I believe it's not true. In fact, this myth is so insidious that it breaks lives, it destroys health, it destroys productivity. Look at the, do you know who are the hardest workers in the world? Construction workers, I would imagine, construction workers. workers, They work hard, and and God bless them, they they, they do a great service to humanity, but they work hard. Um, People working in factories Mm -hmm. in developing countries like China, they have to work hard to feed their family. Are they wealthy? Are they rich? No. What I noticed is that many of the most successful people I knew were not working hard based on the way you and I define it. They had ample time for vacation. They took care of their sleep. They would wake up and meditate for an hour. They hit the gym. They don't work hard. In fact, their working hours are constrained to a certain time frame. They have enough time for their health, enough time for their wellness, enough time for their family, and they are succeeding like crazy. You see, the point is this, right? When we believe that hard work is the way towards success, this becomes our reality. But if you are doing nothing but working hard, you're actually reducing your brain's ability to function. For example, for every 90 minutes of sleep you deprive yourself of, your brain cognition goes down by 30%. And so people who stay up late or wake up too too early to get a project done, they're going to have to repeat the cycle because that very next day they are functioning with one-third of their brain basically shut down. Here's another example. If you think about so many spiritual teachers I, I, I speak to say that when you really achieve like peak states of spiritual awareness, life becomes easy. Projects move faster, you manifest faster, things flow. But to get in that state of flow, they also say this, you got to be in positive emotions, you got to be blissful, you cannot be stressed out. Now what happens when you're working hard? You're literally stressing yourself out, you're reducing your states of bliss, and you're slowing down the efficacy of your mind to bring you towards your goals. Hard work doesn't speed things up. It slows things down. What is a better solution to hard work? So, firstly, you have to understand that if you find something that pulls you, in backwards words, if you find a vision that pulls you forward, you never have to work a day in your life because you're relentlessly pursuing that vision. So that's the first thing. Now, there there are periods in my life where... Last year, I, I, I had a chance to, so I, I move into something called acceleration and navigation. Acceleration is when I'm deeply focused on a project, and I can go two months, three months, working 10-hour days, and I love it. I still have time for my kids. I still have time for my family. I still have time to read, to study, to invest in my growth. And the work that I'm doing, like, I cannot wait to get to my computer because I'm so excited by it. That's called acceleration, when you're going, going, going. But you also have to go into periods called navigation. And navigation is when you step away from the work. Maybe you travel. Maybe you attend a seminar. Maybe you go on a retreat. But you step away to give your brain a recharge. The human brain needs that. So in the book, I talk about this concept of acceleration and navigation, acceleration and navigation, acceleration and navigation. You need to flutter between both. So I balance things out. Uh, when quarantine hit us all, 
I had to work really hard because large divisions of my company were completely like wiped out. We we put on events around the world. Event event companies are all dying right now. Likewise, our event company went through incredible chaos. So I had to work hard to save things, to to save jobs, to reshuffle aspects of the business. And um, in times of crisis, that is a necessity. But I also had time during the weekend to go into navigation, to think, to relax, to learn new skills. And that balance is supremely important. And while I'm working hard, I also ensure that I have time for myself, that I'm working on, that I'm, I'm, I'm focusing on my goals, I'm meditating every morning, I'm eating healthy, I'm sleeping a lot to rejuvenate my body. So that balance is important. In the book, I give a recipe on how to balance this out. How the, sh- how the five practices to bring into your life so that you transform the way you work and you get more done in less hours. I would love to pick up on Mind Valley because something I saw quite recently which really surprised me was that for the first time that I've ever seen, Mind Valley went and yourself went really public and I noticed that you decided to take on Coca-Cola. Now, th- this surprised me because Mind Valley obviously is a massive organization. It works with such massive brands. I thought to myself, Coca Cola, probably a potential client in the future or, or maybe now. I thought to myself, you know, taking them on from a business point of view, it could potentially cost you thousands or maybe even millions of dollars. So I want to right. know, you know, for yourself as a leader, where do you get the courage to make that decision? that could potentially be cost, you know, so lucrative. When you're, I want you to remember this line. I want every entrepreneur to remember this line. Firstly, this line comes from my first book, The Code of the Extraordinary Mind. And it says this, that's the first book. Okay. Code of the Extraordinary Mind. It was the number one book in the world on Amazon for about five days. Business people do it for the dollars, but real entrepreneurs do it to push humanity forward. You gotta ask yourself this. Don't delude yourself. Don't don't bullshit yourself. I said I set a mission statement for Mind Valley to spread enlightened ideas. My mission statement wasn't to make a lot of money. It was to spread enlightened ideas. If I made money doing that, even better. The mission statement was to spread enlightened ideas. Now what that means is that you gotta put the mission first. One of the biggest unenlightened ideas in humanity right now is is this is the way we consume our food companies like nestle coca-cola have been mass mass brainwashing humanity to consume stuff that isn't food i grew up in malaysia which is the fattest country in asia and in 20 i think it was 2017 the new york times did an expose on how nestle was funding the malaysian nutrition society nestle is the biggest company in malaysia And if you see the advertisements on TV here, what parents are told to feed their kids, it's disgusting. Nestle ads are bullshit. They, so in, so I took on Nestle, I think it was 2018. It became the biggest news story in Malaysia. Um, Nestle came after me um, because they're the biggest advertiser in the country. The press like refused to interview me. I got shut out from the press, but I created a viral social media campaign that got, I think, pretty much more than half the entire population watch the viral videos 
on my, my expose on Nestle. And the very next year, I saw a video of the CEO of Coca-Cola Europe spreading lie after lie after lie after lie after lie of Coca-Cola. And Coca-Cola is one of the worst things you can put in your body. It's toilet cleaner. Clean your toothbrushes with it, but do not put that in your body. And so I decided to go after Coke because our my our concept is spread enlightened ideas. And you know what pisses me off, Joe? What pisses me off are and maybe okay, maybe pisses me off is a is a rather strong word, but what I do not like is people who claim to be health coaches or wellness coaches or spiritual, and then they do not stand up for what they believe in. Come, I'm gonna put up this PDF and teach you how to lose weight and how to eat healthy. Okay, great. So that's what you stand for? Fucking take on the food companies that are spreading diabetes. You say you're spiritual? Take on the politicians who are dividing us because spirituality is about unity. So there are too many people out there who are afraid to step up. They are afraid to take a stand, which is why in chapter six of my book, I wrote about choose your mission wisely. And I started it with a quote by Martin Luther King. And there is a second quote by King in this book and I'd like to read it out if that's okay with please, you. Please, please. Martin Luther King said this and this is why I, I support the people who are protesting. This is why I support Black Lives Matter. This is why I think what's happening in the world today, all across the world, with people protesting racism is so important but it's not fucking enough. So we're going to come to that, okay? But it is an amazing first step and I'm so glad to see what's happening in the world today. Martin Luther King said this, you may be 38 years old, as I happen to be, and one day some great opportunity stands before you and calls you to stand up for some great principle, some great issue, some great cause, and you refuse to do it because you are afraid. You refuse to do it because you want to live longer. You're afraid that you will lose your job, or you're afraid that you will be criticized, or that you will lose your popularity, or you're afraid that somebody will stab you or shoot you or bomb your house, so you refuse to take a stand. Well, you may go on and live until you are 90, but you are just as dead as 38 as you would be at 90. And the succession of breathing in your life is but the belated announcement of an earlier death of spirit. MLK. What King is saying is that, look, guys, all of us need to take a stand for a better world. So stand the fuck up. Don't tell me you're a health coach and then shut up about Coca-Cola because you might lose a few clients. By the way, I was speaking at an HR Congress in Europe, and 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 uh, representatives from Coke and Nestle came up to me after my talk, and and you know spoke to me about bringing Mind Valley into their companies, and I said sure, um, and I connected them with with my with with my my business my enterprise sales team, but it didn't stop me from two months later because I had this anti Coca Cola video going out. It didn't stop me from putting out that video because what would I say about my identity if I gave up my principle so I could make money from Coca Cola? Because our mission, and I bet if you're, a, if, if you're an entrepreneur, you have a mission statement as well. Live it. My mission statement doesn't say spread enlightened ideas and make buckloads of money. It says Mind Valley is here to spread enlightened ideas and push humanity forward. So yes, I don't give a damn if I lose a few followers. I don't give a damn if I lose a large client. I have to stand up for what I believe. And that's what I want everyone in the world to do. And that is a key message in the Buddha and the badass. You see, so many of us believe that to be spiritual means to be passive. Ken Wilber, the great philosopher, said, the great spiritual sages of the world 
Jesus, Moses, Fatma, Sambaba were not feeble-minded milquetoasts. They were movers and shakers who rattled the world with the force of their ego and ambition. Even the Buddha wasn't neutral. The Buddha was a fucking badass. Jesus brought a bullwhip to the temple. But the problem is people think to be spiritual, to be holy, you got to shut up and be neutral. Do you know what is the opposite of war? Uh, the opposite of war... I take it is not peace. <laughs> so, there's a quote by Martin Luther King, and and I'm, I'm I'm bringing up MLK because he's so relevant in today's conversation. MLK said, "Power without love is reckless and abusive. Love without power is sentimental and anemic. Power at its best is love implementing the demands of justice, and justice at its best is power correcting everything that stands against love." But remember that line, love without power is sentimental and anemic. So there's a um, Jewish philosopher who wrote a whole book inspired by this quote. The book is called Power and Love. And in the book, he says something really interesting, right? He says the opposite of war is not peace. The opposite of war is creation. Peace means you are, st- if you are tolerating the status quo. Creation means you're disrupting. You are you are pushing humanity to go beyond the status quo, especially when the status quo could represent injustice. The status quo could represent oppression. The children of my mother, Christina, she grew up in Estonia under the communist era. We have family members who were murdered by the communist. And that communist era came to an end between 89 and 91 because people stood up. And they were called troublemakers. But they stood up. Because communism was a horrible thing. Like 30% of the Estonian population was murdered between 45 and 91. And so it's up to all of us to not be afraid to rise against the status quo, whether it's a big food company pushing sugary beverages, whether it's Nestle with their bullshit advertising, whether it's abusive cops, whether it's Donald Trump with his hate spewing racism and inability to to understand the truth. We have to stand up for a better world. Our lives today should ensure that our children lead better lives and the planet is better off. Too few entrepreneurs do that. But when you do that, magic happens. Study after study after study is showing that consumers want people to stand up. 75% of American consumers want companies and entrepreneurs to take a stand. And I'm sure you're going to see similar numbers in, in Great Britain. So my message to everyone listening is yes, you want to bend reality, you want to use your mind, you want to accelerate your job. Well, first, before you even get there, whose side are you on? Are you on the side of selling more goods and services to make a quick buck at the detriment of our planet? Or are you going to be a real entrepreneur and build stuff that actually matters, that improves the world? When you answer that first question and you learn to move and build things that truly matter and improve the world, you will never have to work a day in your life because yet that vision will pull you forward. And I'm not saying it's going to be easy, but I'm saying that your life will matter and you will feel so much more fulfilled beyond Whatever money you imagine is going to bring you that happiness, this 
is what happens when you harness the Buddha and the badass. This is why I wrote that book. I love it. I love it. And it makes me think about the concept in the book you talk about humanity plus and humanity minus companies. And for all the power, for all the reach in which someone like Coca-Cola has, they fall into a minus, a hu- they have to fall into humanity. Right. And I'd right. love to know, we've got, I would say, a young audience. What would your message be to them in terms of choosing your side in terms of a humanity plus or a humanity minus company going forward? Well, what I'd say is, ask yourself, is the company I want to work for, and I know this is a difficult question right now because people are being laid off, right? We're about to hit a massive global recession. So do what you need to do to survive. But ultimately, the company you build, the company you work for, make sure it's humanity plus. That means it's a company pushing humanity forward. Their product, their service is improving the world. Look up the United Nations um, Sustainable Development Goals. Um, it's, it's a wonderful formula for understanding what are the major issues in the world that we need to solve, better education, access to water, democracy. What are a woman's rights, ending racism? What products, what services are allowing that to happen? Now, this doesn't mean that you just join a nonprofit. Look at Airbnb. Airbnb is a great company. You can tell by the values of its founders. When Trump launched a Muslim ban, Airbnb, their founders protested against that ban. Airbnb set has a mission to make the world become smaller by allowing us to travel more freely, stay in each other's homes, discover other people's culture. It's a beautiful mission. Airbnb is certainly humanity plus. Then you look at many massive food companies that are selling you crap, fake food, and telling you that this is what your body needs and using really devious marketing tactics. Coca-Cola, Nestle, McDonald's don't work for these companies. These companies literally do not contribute to the human race. They contribute to diabetes and heart disease. So let's be honest about the companies we work for. So we all have a choice. And I want to ensure that, I mean, I wrote this book so that more young people choose the companies that actually leave the planet better off. I love it. If hypothetically this was all going to come to an end and based on everything you've gone through, you can impart one short but impactful message based on your life, your truth, what would Vishen Lakhiani's message to the world be? Follow your soul print. And Vishen, where can our audience connect with you? So follow me on Instagram, at Vishen at V-I-S-H-E-N. If you follow me on Instagram, shoot me a message. Let me know you heard about me um, on this podcast. You can find the book on Amazon. You can also find the book on mindvalley.com forward slash Buddha Badass. mindvalley.com forward slash Buddha Badass. You'll find the book there. Thank you, Joe, and thank you guys for listening.